Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. This week, we're talking about Red Sprite, and we're joined by our guest, Canada's chosen son, Mitch. <laughs> Mitch! Hey, Mitch! It's your cue! How's she going, eh? Oh, you've got a bit of a hoser now, don't you? Sorry, um, I gotta be professional. Uh, Kuonichiwa, everybody! <laughs> Konnichiwa, eh? Oh my god. <laughs> I just want, like, the, for the record, like, Mitch's, like, third word was sorry. Yes, it was. <laughs> on brand. Gotta stay on brand, you know? <laughs> well, Mitch, uh, do you mind telling the audience just a little quick 30-second spiel about yourself? I am uh, the uh, person who does uh, Canadian things on the podcast called Talking Anime. I'm also a player on another podcast called Isekai. It is. Uh, it was originally a anime-themed D&D. Now it's still anime, but now it has a little bit of 80s sci-fi action thrown into it, too. And uh, up-and-coming voice actor and musician as well. Nice! Freaking cool there, buddy. I think 80s sci-fi action is the anime aesthetic when we first started it like my idea was hey we're gonna do like the stereotypical isekai you know fantasy realm kind of thing then when um my co-host for my podcast uh talking anime took over as dm we transformed into this 80s aesthetic cyberpunk kind of like a blade runner kind of situation but it's still like characters who have like kind of anime quirks and stuff like that so there's still like a little bit of anime in there oh, from what it was it. supposed to be but now it's just this new monster and it's pretty fun. that's pretty heckin' cool i mean hey you would be far from the first anime that suddenly turned into blade runner yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then speaking though of turning into things why don't we actually turn into talking about the manga itself as we go into the manga details Woo! This series was created by Yagi Tomohiro, and he also created the Iron Knight, which lasted three volumes before this. Shout out to Victor. He is like the number one Iron Knight stan. He is like actively trying to get that adapted to an anime, Ooh. so good luck on that. And this ran from August 29th, 2016 to November 28th, 2016, and was two volumes, 14 chapters, and a little tiny baby chapter that was three chapters long. That was drawn in a different art style and wasn't particularly useful for any contribution. <laughs> so it was very much probably a contractually required thing. Yeah. We'll go into it, but it felt like um, Sky did two different typical Shonen flop yes. endings at the same time, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Also, I do want to throw out that I saw one translation of Iron Knight, which is Iron Curtain, which I only bring up because I think that's actually really interesting considering what this series oh, is about. yeah. <laughs> Probably the most communist manga we've ever read, but we'll, we'll get into it. And then, Mitch, though, for context and listener, what Jordan is talking about a series usually have two choices. They can either rush the entire plot or they say, this is all we could do. We'll leave it to your imagination of what happens. That's actually something that I would say Adam the owner of the Shonen Flop master list. I guess that would be a good way of flagging the two endings. Uh, and this series both did that and then also had an epilogue where they're like, yeah, and we solved everything. Guardian of the Witch. Guardian of the Witch solved everything. Hungry Joker. They were like, and now we're going to go fight the final battle. How that turns out, up to your imagination. Uh, so it's very interesting when writers picked certain paths. Speaking of the plot, Jordan, why don't you give us your plot summary, good sir. Uh, here we go. Edenia <laughs> is a powerful nation currently invading fake 1930s Europe using plasmeros, people who can produce large amounts of electricity from their bodies to charge massive vehicles and weapons such as tanks and, most importantly, airships. 
Yeah. Tatsu Front is one of seven altered Plasmero children who can use his electricity to supercharge himself with enhanced speed and strength. He uses this to steal an airship named the Red Sprite and staff it with a freed encampment of Plasmero slaves who join him on his mission. After rescuing his friend Mono, the most powerful of the seven children, Tatsu interrupts a speech by David Atlas. Hey, <laughs> the dictator of Edenia, in order to declare that Plasmeros all belong to the floating nation of Magonia, and he will free them. The Red Sprite then travels to the kingdom of Nalbion to rescue Alfred, the smartest of the children who has magnet powers, just like David predicted. Alfred was taken in by a Nalbanian general, Sir Galeman, who raised him to be a strong and loyal soldier of Nalbion. Despite teaming up to defeat an Edenian attack, Alfred refuses to join Tatsu's group since he is now loyal to Nalbion, but the 11-year-old Queen Beatrix tells him to because she is about to surrender herself to be executed in order to end the war. During a battle, Tatsu once again appears to save Alfred when the enemies all sacrifice themselves to summon Blackburn, an Ash Soldier, the strongest Edenian warrior, who is defeated in, uh, like, not that many pages by the combined efforts of Tatsu, Alfred, and Mano. Now that they've shown their power, the Queen decides that she'll no longer sacrifice herself and instead announces that she recognizes Magonia as a real nation and her ally. Wow, I wonder if this series uh, has any metaphors or references to real events that happened. Probably no, no, not, no. Not at all, you know. <laughs> not the uh, fact that there's literally one bubble where they mention concentration camps. Yeah, what the yeah. Who <laughs> lost my shit when I saw or that? Or just how on the map they just had Israel question mark. <laughs> I didn't notice that. There was a uh, gag orders that if they mentioned anything about the uh events that happened that uh they would be uh silenced permanently. They had a thing where uh, Tatsu interrupted a broadcast and put himself out to be seen on in basically the entire world, and they couldn't shut it off, so they gave the instruction that anybody who watched the full thing was to be killed. Yeah, and then you're also executed if you don't watch the David Atlas presentations. Yeah, yeah. It has a 99% view <laughs> yeah, rate. That's, there's... Yeah, they just kill everybody in the fucking world. It's great. Oh, man. <laughs> so then speaking, though, of why don't we start robbing into the characters and then we can start really diving into our thoughts in the series so mitch why don't you tell us about the main character tatsu uh, tatsu is um the uh character i could closely resemble him to is uh luffy essentially mm -hmm. with electric powers he's like if luffy and pikachu became one that's what you get I will say Tatsu is smarter than Luffy, which I think is actually a negative for this series. Yeah. This dude is 100% a 100% Luffy ripoff. What if we had Luffy, but like he didn't do dumb shit all the time? Oh, it would have been really funny if like Alfred, who was like a second in command, there was like a scene where he sees like a bandana and three swords. And it's like that scene in Iron Man 1 where Rhodey sees Star and he's like, <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> Oh, uh, that would have been awesome, though. Oh, I say that as Mitch's avatar is Zoro. <laughs> oh, that's a visual joke for an yeah, audio medium. Yeah. What if they opened a portal at the end and then just, like, Luffy steps out and he's like, well, here I am, guys! I mean, the closest was Stealth Symphony where they go to actual Japan at the end of the series. Oh, God, I forgot that happened! Oh... Uh. <laughs> Yeah. The ending to Stealth Symphony is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should read Stealth Symphony because that's the best ending of any manga ever made. Yeah, just for the yeah, ending. Just for the ending. Mitch, have you have you checked it out? 
No, I have just recently uh, started getting into um, reading manga regularly now. He's like, the name's Mitch Loves Anime, not Mitch Loves Manga. I do yeah. appreciate like what or reading, you know, some of these random one-off mangas. The only problem is you get to the end of some of these and it's like, oh, uh, that's depressing. It's really how it is. And welcome to our world. Mm. Not all of them can be winners, but we'll find out about this one. My world of anime has some uh, has some that are like that too. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of someone who may not have had the best time in the world, Jordan, can you tell us about Mono? Basically, the thing about Mono is he is a very shy kid. Uh, he is Mono. Is- a- I thought Mono was a girl. I thought I it was a she. I'm pretty sure they used like he pronouns hold on, for him. Hold on. I am going to it. Uh, I definitely see why you thought Mono was a girl. At least it is he. It is a he. He is very androgynous. He has like this big curtain of hair just covering over his eyes. Mm -hmm. I feel like the author was intentionally drawing him to look more feminine. Yeah, which is just a thing manga do sometimes where they just draw very feminine looking women, or men. Anime is not any better. (laughs) That is true. Um, but yeah, Mono, I guess, was interesting that they're literally, like, in the first chapter, they're the entire reason this entire series exists, because apparently they were, like, easy to detect. Yeah. And so they blame themselves. They're super good at being a battery. Uh, they all emit electric electricity, but Mono emits, like, way more. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a monopole is also, like, um, another word for, like, a radio antenna. That's really cool. Yeah, so I think that that was sort of foreshadowed in the name, because that is how Mono operates, but Mono also is a battery that powers the giant fortress tank called the Atlas. I guess it's named after fake Hitler, but Mm -hmm. his whole thing is he he can basically do uh, the thunder move that Pikachu does. Yeah, 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 pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Speaking of, do you guys want to shift to David Atlas? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'll talk about David Atlas. As the representative David. Yes, as the head of the David Council, as much like we had the Max Council last week. (laughs) So, yeah, he's the big bad. He burns people alive pretty gruesomely. That was actually quite gruesome for something in Shonen Jump, because the series just doesn't have an art style that would make you expect it to be so gruesome, but that's probably why they could get away with it. And as Jordan has specifically noted, this dude is pretty much Hitler. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This author definitely had to have gone to like a white person name generator, and that was the first result was David Atlas. You gotta think, right? It is like uh, Atlas implies like, oh, he holds up the entire world or whatever. And David is the most generic white guy name you can think of, so. Well, that's what throws me hold off. On, hold, hold on. on. Hold yeah, on. David, go ahead. I assume the name David is ironic because look at the relation of David versus Goliath, which is what this entire plot of the story is. That's me giving the author the most benefit of the doubt because I'm sure it was a coincidence. I hope it was a coincidence because otherwise he made a series about Hitler where he gave uh, Hitler a Jewish name. <laughs> thing there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta assume he doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, this name was probably picked by a random name generator. I think so too. He also makes a ton of uh, biblical references. Like, I think he. Oh, well, well then. Yeah, but at the same time, it seems like it's supposed to be like Christian. They call their version of the Stormtroopers the Crusaders, specifically. Yeah. When David kills a guy, David, like that, you know, uh, he says, let yeah. there be light. He literally smites him. Yeah, exactly. So maybe actually it was the case that maybe David Atlas was at one point a very protagonistic individual and that he just became corrupted. But of course, the story doesn't have time to give him or, well, it doesn't really give any of the characters depth. But yeah. maybe that's what the author was trying to do. But we'll, we'll get into those failings in the appropriate section. But failings makes me think about, though, fall. So <laughs> listen, <laughs> we, we're doing a pretty good job of segueing these characters. I'm batting 700 right now, so I'm feeling pretty good. You're doing so, yeah, well. So, You're doing well. Oh, well, thank you. So Mitch, uh, can you tell us, uh, while we're on the ball, tell us about fall 
Spring into it. It's cool if you don't remember much about fall. If you want to leave this alone. All I know is that she was the captain of the ship. That is all I know. Like, she piloted the ship. On point. She just appears in multiple chapters, so that's why I had to include her. Because there's a lot of characters that show up for one chapter and never matter again, but she stuck around. The only reason why I think we remember that her name is fall is because they point out, ah, it's ironic that you're piloting an airship and your name is fall. <laughs> that David Atlas name was on purpose yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, so he definitely hit the, the white name generator like five or six times. <laughs> he got a couple of them and then picked on not the first one. He, you know, he made like a list. Jordan, do you think there is like a meaning behind Alfred's name then? Yes, actually. <laughs> Lay it on us. So first of all, I will go into Alfred is another, as you said, uh, another battery kid. He is a soldier who escaped and joined Nalbion, which is pretty much explicitly England. There's a little bit of a confusion here because they encounter like an evil Adenian who uses something, who has a ship called the Excalibur. But I think that Alfred is like a weird reference to King Arthur for some reason. Like he has mm -hmm. a big sword. I don't know. Maybe I just, for some reason, connect Arthur and Alfred too much, but I definitely think his name's Alfred because he's British. <laughs> <laughs> sure. He has a giant sword that looks like a paddle. That's a paddle. I, I legit thought it was a paddle. <laughs> no clue what the fuck he was doing with it. And he's like the only other character I think has any depth. At all. And then, um, as we talked about, Alfred is a refugee of Nebion who is run by Queen Beatrix. I guess I'll tell her a little bit. It's interesting. She is 11 years old. She has about the emotional maturity of like a 25-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Try like 53-year-old. Like She's like, if I must sacrifice my life for the well-being of the Republic, so be it. I'm like, dude, you're fucking 11 years I'll just, old. I'll just give my head to the Nazis, you know? It's not a big deal. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. I really assumed it was going to be like this gate where she looks 11, but is actually like 65. And they're like, nope, she's yeah, actually 11 yeah. years old. Yeah, you would expect that in anime, honestly, or manga, you know? I was going to send him, like, Jordan, here's an R, here's another biscuit. <laughs> nope. But nope. I wish. <laughs> you know why? Because Jordan's always in it for the biscuit. Oh, I love the biscuit. And I do it for the nookie, too. <laughs> for the nookie. What? The nookie. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? You know, she's she's 11, bro. You can take that cookie. And shove it shove up your- it up your, yeah. Not when she's 11. But you can do it <laughs> yours. You want my cookie? No, you could shove the cookie in your yeah. In your yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. But who's on first? <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of things that failed, <laughs> let's talk about this series. The biggest issue is the characters. The characters just feel very flat. They treat everything as if it isn't that big of a deal. I feel like the mangaka was worried that if he made the characters too, like, uh, bloodthirsty or too, too interested in revenge, it would make us dislike them. But the result is that it's really weird that they don't want revenge. Yeah. You enslaved all these people. It seems like very brutal depictions. You're explicitly telling us that they were in the concentration camps. You're making a direct reference to the Holocaust. So you have um, all these essentially Holocaust survivors. And one of the things that they do when um, Tatsu crash into this airship, which I actually thought was a really cool moment. And then Tatsu jumps in and talks to this really like piece of shit, racist um, aristocrat. And he's just like, yeah, you know, we'd like to propose a ceasefire. And like, yeah, that might be the correct thing to do, but that's not super interesting as a character motive, you know? Like, I mentioned Luffy before. Like, the whole fun thing about Luffy is that he does the dumb thing, but it just winds up working out because he just fucking cares so much, and he's just, like, so passionate. Luffy just has such a strong force of will that 
he can overcome these issues. This character just is lucky every single time. And also, Jordan, I want to point out that we have the return of the useless stamina mechanic. Yeah! Where <laughs> he always runs complete out of energy as long as it's convenient for that to happen. Mono apparently charges him, which makes you wonder what exactly he was doing before they rescued Mono. Uh, not much. <laughs> not much. He, he could act for one day at a time. Yes. <laughs> he upgraded from uh, AAA batteries to D's. D's what? A CD's nuts. Got him. You got it. They just feel very bland. They almost feel like they don't feel like themselves. They don't really feel like real separate characters is the thing. It's not even that he's lucky. He's doing the right thing, but he shouldn't be. It's not emotionally driven enough. I don't get enough of a sense of his character from it. He doesn't seem like he should be emotionally mature enough to do all of these things. And because it isn't there, it just makes him seem like, oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, we're under attack here, but you guys aren't freaking out. So like, I don't know, I'm not worried. I think you're going to be fine. And it just immediately diffuses so much tension. Yeah, and the series itself has no infrastructure whatsoever where, like, they don't really reset. There's no starting point. There's no home base. It's just piling event after event after event. And I don't really understand, like, they have a very weak end goal of creating this nation. But, like, they don't really ever say, here's what the plan is. Here's our strategy. And so I just really know often a lot of the time, it just seems like they're just randomly thinking of things to do and doing them rather than they're actually being a goal they're building I found very much was, like, that was, like, their plan was he only had the idea idea of we're gonna go there and save these people there was like no planning he just showed up caused mayhem got the people out and that was it pretty much it sounds like um when a little kid tells you a story it's like and then and then and then this happened and then that happened and then and it's like it just feels you're right like a total lack of structure the queen just like um it seems like uh now beyond was losing and getting like totally screwed up and the queen was straight up like yeah okay i'm just gonna like kill myself then and save everybody but then oh uh, <laughs> we have like one fight between uh one airship full of plasmero soldiers and then she's like oh hey i don't have to die anymore yeah sure we're all good so it's like how i guess the situation mm. wasn't that dire yeah. then huh uh shifting gears just so i don't lose the thought i also want to talk about how the art style in this series was pretty weak for the first 10 or so chapters like it was completely almost entirely white and there wasn't really any backgrounds there was no shading the character design and the pacing pan- was fine, but it really took a long time to actually, I would say, to have the offer really kind of get into the groove of artistically what he wanted to do with this series. Yeah, but to his credit, he does. Towards the he end does. of the series, mm. the art picks up in quality, like, surprisingly. All of a sudden, yep. you see these characters that are moving with very uh, strong, like, Jack Kirby-esque poses sometimes. I will also say, one of the other huge issues, the enemies are, like, fucking nothing. Like, they're not even- they're not even characters. They're, like, they have no, like, personalities, and they also all kind of look the same. They all have, like, the same big chin, they all smile in the same way. It just- it makes them feel like they aren't human, Mm. which I get that you can do something interesting with that, but they don't. Exactly. And it's just there's zero depth. Like everyone is evil because they're evil. The best case is that scientist who I guess is a good guy, but he just complains about how he doesn't want to do any of this every single time. And that's not really a character trait. That's just him being annoying every time he shows up because he complains that he doesn't want to help them, but he still does. Yeah, bring up the scientist again when we get to miscellaneous thoughts because I'll forget, but I do want to say something important about him. (laughs) (laughs) It's because he's a miscellaneous character. He wasn't even in our character section, but he shows up more than most of the characters in the series. Mono, if you're not Alfred, if you're not Tatsu, um, you're basically just background characters. 
Mono is barely not a background character. I mean, barely. Tell like, me a personality trait of Mono that's not depression. Anxiety. Ooh. Oh, yeah, fuck off. Depression, anxiety, <laughs> misery, and uh, shyness. It's just a, kind of the same character trait being repeated over and over I again. mean, none of the characters had depth, though, so... The one thing that uh, Mono has is survivor's guilt, which I guess is kind of interesting, but I think they do it too much. Alfred kind of had that, too, because he escaped and he had, you know, survivor's guilt and kind of stuff like that, too, you know? And his is more interesting, too. The general thing is, it's not like this was, like, shitty. I didn't hate reading this. I enjoyed no. a lot of it. It was more just that it didn't have enough good. There are a lot of things that were yeah. just like, you could have done that a lot better. Literally Hellwarden again. Yeah, or uh, it just reminds me of um, the criticisms of uh, the manga created by the main character of Time Paradox Ghostwriter, you know? <laughs> I legitimately thought this was another time paradox where this was like a ripoff of Fire Force, but Fire Force didn't exist yet. But unfortunately, it did come out. Because that was another thing is that this really, its launch is eaten by Fire Force. Because Fire Force is, has a very strong overlap with power set because everyone has fire, which really overlaps with a lot of the abilities that they could tap into in design space for this. And so I think that's why the offer really didn't give anyone interesting powers, because the more he expanded, the more people would say, well, that dude from Fire Force can do that. A big one I noticed is that they never use electrical currents to control people, which I think is a very like low-hanging fruit of just being able to control the electrical synapses in someone. But that's a power someone in Fire Force, like a main villain in Fire Force uses. And that's why I mm. bet that's why they didn't have anyone have that power. I haven't watched like enough Fire Force to get that but like i was a little confused when you said that when you brought up the fire force comparison from what i've seen of fire force it doesn't really come off like this series and i'm realizing now it's because the one thing that fire force does that this series absolutely doesn't do is that it shows the characters using those fire powers in cool and interesting ways mm. like if they had done yeah. that i'd be like oh yeah i see the fire force reference but they can't do yeah, that the dude who wrote <laughs> fire force 100 either read a thermo a thermodynamics textbook or he had like an engineer because some of these things are pretty deep cuts that I've heard of, but like I was kind of surprised. Like he talks about how uh, he has a dude who can like control ice because there's like this really complex process of absorbing energy. I had someone in high school build it and it's really cool, but I hadn't heard of it since high school and I forget its name, but it's like a real thermo um, device that takes an energy. Thermo thingy. Yeah, I forget what it's, it's based on. It's I'll a thermo it, but thingy. Yeah. It's but a he definitely, definitely like a layman would not know, but he's like completely right of how this character is able to use this device to create ice out of fire. It reminds me, I was watching this series called Stand Science or somebody by, by this guy, Schuckmeister. I love Schuckmeister. Uh, Schuckmeister goes into uh, the extremely complex particle physics around uh, the different stands in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah. That just kind of reminds me of that, where it's like, you read it and you're like, Araki, do you do you actually know about this stuff? What? Did you do research here? Fuck. Right? <laughs> I looked it up. Thermoacoustic. Ah, I gotcha. How you can create extreme colds by how you process extreme heats. Science, bitch! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I love when they go to space. <laughs> magnets how do they work let me explain how they work <laughs> and then they don't really but that's okay you don't want to talk to a scientist motherfuckers be lying and get me pissed no but Mitch, do you have, any, do you have I, anything else negative you'd like to add i'm drawing a blank on anything it's just it was just like i really liked it but it was just so generic yes i think i have um something to add here this 
was definitely far better than Phantom Seer, but it had some of the same issues as Phantom Seer, where, mm-hmm. which had to do with the pacing as we brought up. You know, we talk all the time about how in great series, there are way more to- moments than you'd expect where characters are hanging out and talking and really going into their own personal conflicts and stuff. And that doesn't really happen here. There are a couple moments where they're hanging out and talking, but you don't really get any depth except for maybe one or two little instances. But um, mm-hmm. it's not enough, and it doesn't really feel like a time to breathe. It just feels like like a really quick uh, moment, which I feel like really doesn't allow the series to really sit with you that well. Yeah, for sure. I think now that we've really broken down some things we didn't like, why don't we take it to things that it did do well? So I'll lead the charge on this. I think the biggest thing is this is, as a theme, very unique with this kind of communism, anti-fascism story mm. where oh, yeah. this is, you just don't see it. It might be a focus of like an arc of a series, but how often is like pseudo Hitler just the overarching bad guy and you're trying to seize the means of production of the laborers, you know? In manga? Yeah. Oh, never. No, no. no. They usually stray away from that kind of uh, imagery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting because, um, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that when you start talking about the crimes of uh, Germany during World War II, you start talking about the crimes of Japan. Yeah. Yeah. And there were yeah. there was a lot of cult cross-cultural exchange between Japan and Germany mm. that I think a lot of people underestimate. We've talked about it before. The only anime I think I've ever seen that explicitly has an anti-Nazi episode is Black Lagoon. Yep. Even Black Lagoon has an episode before that where they have a bunch of lower Nazi officers who are just like, yeah, we're just Germans. We don't hate anybody. You know, we're just like here because we're soldiers just to show that like, okay, not all, not all German soldiers were evil. All right. They just- have to even like say that in Black Lagoon. So I feel like there's something where the only time I ever see references to um, straight up the Holocaust in anime is fucking is, is in these fantasy settings. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, usually it's like a moment in where like someone's fantasizing about being the hero and it's usually some kind of like World War II Nazi thing, but it's very rare. Yeah, but they aren't ever like explicitly the Nazis. They're like Edenia or like if you've played uh, Valkyria Chronicles, like uh, whatever the bad guys in those are, I don't remember. My point is that it is still a message that you don't see a lot in anime and it was cool to see. Definitely. uh, The setting itself, how it's like this electropunk. Like, I can't really think yeah. of series off the top of my head that just so do this kind of electropunk setting with airships and stuff. Because even in, like, the West, it's not the most common theme. Because there's, what, like, Skies of Arcadia? Yeah, like, it, it makes sense if you're gonna base an entire series around a power. Electricity, right there. Yeah, like, our entire world is already based around it. So that totally makes sense of something yeah. you could do. Let me see what else. I also really like the idea of just having, like, a base and building it up and, like, building a country. I'll talk about it um, when we get further, but there's only one other series I really talked to. I've read that's really been this idea of like building something from scratch and like that's the goal rather than like trying to go somewhere or defeat someone which i thought was quite cool and then uh i guess my last little thought is that the art as we talked about certainly picks up in the later half and it really goes from being kind of unimpressive but passable to being something that like wow this offer really i guess the offer really won me over in terms of the art style he picked for this series when blackburn shows up I really oh, like yeah. how he's drawn. A lot of the villains up until this point have been kind of generic looking evil soldiers, but then Blackburn shows up and he's like this really creepy like Nazi dude who half his body is constantly on fire and turning into like a 
like a skeleton. It's really freaky, and like I was actually pretty into it. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, how about you, Mitch? What were some things that you enjoyed about this? I really enjoyed where they were going with the power system. Different ideas mm-hmm. of how like electricity is, you know, manipulated in this world, and that you know these the plasma arrows have like different styles of electricity. Like mono obviously has like some like charging power or whatever giant battery and then you have you know tatsu's uh he's like just really fast and it like augments like most of his things and they got alfred who's got like the magnetism you know and everything else and then you got you know pseudo hitler who's able to burn people <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's got like really cool powers and you know i kind of makes you wonder where it could have went you know so mitch since you were the one who brought it up i'll give you the pleasure of actually saying where really holistically do you think this series could have gone what i could have seen was you know tatsu and the gang you know he's going around getting all of his friends you know they're going into other situations maybe where we see some other continents some other villages whatever you know get a little bit more world building seeing uh how you know all the other powerful kids got their or where their powers evolved to and then essentially probably mm-hmm. just go into an all out like war have tatsu basically kills the pseudo hitler at the very end everyone (laughs) just lives in peace you know it's just a stereotypical anime you know it's like you beat the big baddie it's there's nothing else you know my idea here was this seems to be tracing world war ii very clearly Mm -hmm. that's that's not it's not a shocking thing like um you know they're attacking now now beyond which is a reference to the blitz obviously So I think this was all going to culminate with uh, some kind of anime version of the Storming of Normandy. Yeah, probably. Mm, That would have been really cool. (laughs) Like, if that was pulled off well, that could have been fucking sick. Mm. But... Yeah, it got canceled yeah. significantly it before that like happened. It looks like to like they were really amping up to start like okay, Alfred was like the be- the smartest, the brightest, the strongest of everyone. Okay, let's go and find everyone else and then you know they become uh they get their named uh, a province, a nation of people. It really could have opened up the world to okay, now we have an airship. Let's see what else is out there and if anyone else escaped, could we find them? Or, yeah, they just go in and it's just, like, you know, Normandy and they destroy everything and they save everyone after, you know? it's The possibilities are endless, but, you know, yeah, it's just got cut off short. Let me run something by you guys, uh, because I've been thinking about this for, uh, since I finished reading today. What would you think if the series started with Alfred? Like, the series started on the chapter when they go to rescue Alfred, and Alfred was sort of the main character. I actually had that in my notes. So, I said that, that I think they should have just scrapped the first 10 chapters and really started around here, kind of like how when you're like a podcaster, you know, you don't ever push your first one or two episodes because you really want to figure out what you're doing. And that's really the vibe this series gave to me, is this dude just dirtled around for like eight chapters, and that's why I got axed. Pretty much. I mean, because the thing is, the main character doesn't really have much mm. of an internal conflict that you can relate to. He doesn't really have um, much that draws you in. Alfred has that internal conflict. And when he meets Tatsu, that is like the best period of characterization for both of them. Like Tatsu on his own is boring. It's like how Oda, like, it was immediately like, nah, I gotta stick Zoro to Luffy or whoever. I, I don't know. I don't remember how the how One Piece starts out again, but uh, there was Lady Alvina, so right? Is like, the first is the flashback. Right. And then Alvina and Kobe, and then he saves Luffy, and then Zoro yeah. shows up, I think, in like chapter three. I guess the, my big issue with Tatsu is like, it's not even if like, what if Luffy was smart? It's like, what if Luffy faced absolutely no consequences for being fucking stupid? Yeah. <laughs> 
if you face no consequences for being stupid, yeah. then you were smart. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, I would have liked <laughs> to see that. Like, you know, they start, you know, pushing more and more, getting towards the big fight, and then you know, there's a, you know, pseudo Hitler is getting frustrated, and he's just like, okay, we're gonna make an example. Pulls out like a couple of the kids and has them executed on like live camera to prove a point. You know, show some kind of consequence of, hey, you yeah. are fucking around. This is what happens. What if like some of the people on his airship who are mm-hmm. helping him were killed in the battle? That seems like a very direct route that would have solved a lot of those issues. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What if when Blackburn threw Mono out, uh, he wasn't able to save Mono? You know, like Blackburn showed up on the yeah. ship. He grabbed Mono, threw Mono off of the plane or off of the ship, falling to what looked like Mono's death. Tatsu obviously made the save, but it's like, what if he couldn't make the save because he pushed himself too much and he couldn't get to Mono in time? Could even have something where Mono didn't necessarily die, but like he's in a bad state or he was captured or something, yeah. and now they have to go rescue Mono, like for, but this time for a more, for a better reason that's more compelling instead of just, oh, where's Mono? Oh, he's powering a giant tank. He's right over there. You want to go bust into the yeah. tank and save him? Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. It was just everything <laughs> came way too easy. This guy needed to fail at some point. Yeah. Remember, like in One Piece, Luffy got his ass beat by Crocodile twice. And then, yeah, I really just wanted like base building to be the thing. Like Dr. Stone, you know how they have like those like charts where they outline what they need to do and then they follow it in the manga of how they can get to like build out this new invention. It would have been cool if you actually outlined and that's like how the different kids fit in. Like something I think that I was hoping was hinted at, but I guess the author wasn't good about that is remember the first chapter where the kids yeah. talk about their dream airship and they each talk about what they would contribute mm. on the ship. I thought that was going to be a parallel for why he needed to save each one. I did too. But eventually like, no, we're just going to save everybody. Honestly, when I read that, I thought he was also doing a One Piece thing because you know there's that famous uh, moment in One Piece early on where uh, where like uh, Luffy shows a drawing of all the people he wants on his ship and then it just so happens as the time goes on, you look back and it's like, oh wow, all the straw hats kind of look like that drawing, don't they? I thought it was just Frankie. Hey, this is Jordan from the future and unfortunately David was right. I got confused. It's just a picture of Frankie. You don't have to tweet at us. You don't have to email us or anything. I know. Bye. Oh, I, I thought there was a larger drawing. I don't know. But like, I definitely thought that was more foreshadowing. I think it's, I think it sounds like you guys did too. Yeah. <laughs> where's the potty? Where's the, uh, where's the movie theater? Where's the, like, it where's the drills? Yeah, you know? we started getting the other kids and we start seeing like more powers come in. I'd really hate to see what the person who wanted the potty was able to do. Well, that was Mono, but yeah. <laughs> I'm worried what Mono's into now. Uh, Mono's, in, Mono's into taking a shit. <laughs> That's how you get Mono, boys and girls. Hey. Jesus Christ. It was like Hellward. This was a cool idea that just wasn't executed that well. Mm. Feel the same way. This might actually be my number one in series now that really had interesting potential that was squandered. It's true because I actually like a lot of the metaphor here. I'll get into the metaphor and miscellaneous thoughts, actually. Speaking of... Why don't we dive into that? Hell yeah. I guess the biggest miscellaneous thought I still have was this series actually kind of felt like an isekai. Mm. If someone like the first chapter was the main character being in our world and dying and getting reborn as he was at the start of the series after like the epilogue, because he just like kind of comes out of nowhere. He's overpowered and he's trying to overthrow the entire society of the world he's in right now. I agree, yeah. What if he and like his friends died in like a bus crash and they were all reincarnating and had to go save them? Like one of my thoughts was what if... 
Tatsu was the person that's supposed to bring everyone together, but Alfred is supposed to be, you know, the actually the main character. There was substance yeah. to Alfred. There was really nothing to Tatsu. So it makes you wonder if Tatsu was just supposed to be the catalyst to bring the main character into it. Tatsu feels like somebody whose character arc is complete. Like I talked about in the Chibi, the first chapter feels like it could have been the last chapter of a different series. You know what a good um, actual comparison to this is, is uh, in Dragon Ball. There's a reason why in the first chapter, Akira Toriyama immediately connects Bulma with Goku, because just a series with Goku would not be that interesting. You need to bounce Goku off of somebody else. <laughs> Someone was watching the Totally Not Mark video. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> yeah, I fucking knew it. Uh, and in our miscellaneous spot, just before I forget this again, oh, fuck, who was he talking about where it was like the last of the Haman? What guest were we talking about that with? The last of the Haman? Yeah, so like part jo- part one of JoJo. Yeah. The point of the series was is that literally happens in this series with the teacher guy, where he goes, <laughs> he goes, take the last of my electrical power. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally that scene from part one. It is. <laughs> Oh god, that just that just reminds me. There was a moment because uh, I was really interested in the uh, the plugs on mm. their hands. I thought that was cool, and I was expecting more stuff like that to show up, and it didn't. Because Alfred throws around these uh, these little magnetic oh, balls Magneto that let him swing around. Shit, I thought man. for a second that they were gonna look like <laughs> plugs, and I got really excited, and then they didn't. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> But, but, like, my biggest uh, thought here is, look, um, I love <laughs> anime juice. It's so funny when it happens. Like, in this series, uh, the group we follow is a group of people who are oppressed and used as slave labor by the fake Germans in fake 1930s Germany who were in a concentration camp who get turned to ash. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to read this and not think, oh, this is like a very thinly veiled metaphor for the Jews, which makes the fact that they're doing, that they found the nation of Magonia as very clearly like, oh, you're doing a, that's, this is the nation of Israel type thing, which means that this series ends with the founding of Israel as a state. Told you, bro. <laughs> It's all about Israel. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? In the old days before, uh, you know, I don't want to get into an argument about into a conversation about Israel. It's a loaded topic. But like in the 30s, Israel was seen as like a, a leftist position yeah. that has clearly changed. But that's what it was like at the time. So it is very interesting to combine this uh, Jewish metaphor with uh like communism which is you know that's also a little problematic but also you know the soviets did come in to defeat a lot of the germans eventually it's very hard for me to read this and not pick up on these metaphors you know this has been a lot to unpack this series is a lot to unpack okay. yeah <laughs> and then so, so then why don't we before we wrap things up mitch do you have any last miscellaneous thoughts you no. like to talk about Except for, I kind of wanted to see where this show or where this manga was going to go. When I first started reading it, I'm like, oh no, this isn't going to be one of those. And then it got to it and I'm like, oh, it's going to be really World War II now. Oh. Yeah. It's yeah. so World War II. This could be like a documentary. This is this might be like more accurate than Hitalia, which isn't saying much. When I was uh, reading <laughs> it and the one dude mentioned concentration camps, I did a double take and reread that panel to make sure I read it right. And I'm like, oh. Oh, no. Oh, me too. I straight up posted a picture of it into the chat, and I was just like, oh, oh. (laughs) 
<laughs> like you're just straight up not even hiding. I was it. reading at work and I turned my coworker. I'm like, this manga got really fucking dark all of a sudden. He's like, why? I'm like, <laughs> gag order and concentration camps. It's like World War II. Why do you guys seem so chill and not angry at the other at that group? You know, they're fucking committing a genocide yeah. against you. Like, yeah, be more angry. You know, it's cool if you want to take revenge. Like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I was not thinking this was going to go there at all. No, I wasn't either. But then it went, yeah, like the gag orders, concentration camps, people are getting uh, killed for not watching, uh, uh, you know, the announcements or whatever. I'm like, I'm seeing it now. And then fire and then fire is involved too. And I'm like, no, no. They mention like uh, turning, like turning them into ashes or something. It's just like. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> and then, Jordan, what did you think of the main character's outfit? Um, I mean, it looked a lot like a Soviet outfit. It, like, had, like, a vibe, so that's why I brought it up now. Well, you guys were talking about this. I mean, and, you know, you call it Red Sprite, so I'm imagining that that's a red outfit. Obviously, the yeah, manga's in black and white, was but, you know. some, like, M. Bison color fucking, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. The Mighty Bison. Maybe the one piece is gonna be Israel. <laughs> And with that, let's go to final verdict because uh, I'm starting a new job and I really don't want my boss to hear my unsolicited thoughts of Israel. <laughs> I'm going very vague on here. I'm not going to go yeah. on any Israel is <laughs> Israel is real. Is a place. A location on a map. How much of a map it takes up? Not for us to discuss in this podcast. I love though that I think it was like an Onion article where it's like, do the Jew, could the Jews be running Israel? <laughs> Dude, the <laughs> Israel's run by Jews. The Star David's on the flag. What could it mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, get the red we- string and the fucking pins, and we'll start doing that board again. <sighs> <laughs> oh, speaking of man, I was watching the Owl House, and they had the red string between this girl and like her curse demon. That show fucking slaps. By the way, y'all should watch it. I was thinking about that. They were like, damn, they got into some like cabal shit <laughs> or Kabbalah shit. Hell yeah! All right, let's go into final verdict. Mitch, why don't you start us off with your six word summary, please? A shockingly okay time reading this. Hey, is that A, like A or E H? Because you're Canadian. It depends so. on how you want to take it, eh? <laughs> that was a good time reading it, eh? You hoser. Oh, well, yeah, it's a great time just reading it, eh? Yeah, speaking of hosers, Wayne Gretzky. Uh-huh. What? He's the best. One of the few sportsmen I know. The way people talk about Wayne Gretzky, I assumed he like lived like 40 years ago, but like the dude's like 43 or something. <laughs> He's the greatest of all time. <laughs> Why do they say the best there ever was? The best there ever is. He's still alive. Well, because he's not playing anymore. He could if he wanted. I bet he's good enough where he still could, but you know, he needs a break. He's He retired. You know, he's like Tony Hawk. He's retired, but he kind of still does it from time to time. You but know? people don't say Tony Hawk was the best there ever was. Oh, they do. They do. All right. This is my sports sportsman <laughs> knowledge. Anyway. Michael Jordan could be kick my ass in a basketball game, but he wouldn't probably not in good enough shape to play in the NBA. <laughs> anyway, my six word summer. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, my six word summary is what if Luffy was a Zionist? <laughs> Thank you for making yours five word. <laughs> That's a great one. Shit. Uh, period. <laughs> <laughs> Just the word period. I explicitly asked you to make yours five word. No, I said, what if Luffy was a Zionist? Oh. That's six words. Okay. Cause I explicitly asked you to make yours five words. Cause mine's seven words. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember that. Uh, well, you'd say it in the Russian version. What if Luffy was Zionist? Yeah, it was Zionist. Come on. <laughs> oh, no, it's six words. Speaking yeah. of Russian, mine was, I wish I could sing. Sorry. Go thunderbolts and lightning. Very, very frightening. Bourgeoisie. <laughs> <laughs> Galileo. Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> I need to make it seven. Cause there's no, it's gotta be that or it just doesn't work. There's like, Yours was five, mine was seven. We averaged out. 
It's like yeah. how, between the three of us, we average out to a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Which this manga is not. No. Okay. No. Good. Uh, pseudo transition because we're still on the same topic. But Mitch, was this a flop or not? Uh, it was definitely a flop. Yeah, buddy. What should people check out instead? If you guys want to watch or read something uh, that is not as depressing, um, I would suggest uh, Candy Flurry. I am thoroughly enjoying that manga. Is that the new Shonen Jump one that's like three or four chapters in? Uh, no, it's like 15. Hold on, I'm going to look up my app right now. Uh, 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 you know, learning on camera, mic, however. Okay, app, stop playing around with me. I'm trying to be professional here. <laughs> uh, there is... 14 chapters out for it. That's still baby. It's pretty good. It's, you know, uh, your battle shonen, but uh, with uh, weapons of candy and other, you know, goodies. That's good to me. Now that sounds like One Piece. I'll have to check it out. I'm digging it. And uh, I have a bonus suggestion if anyone is curious. Sure, what's up? Check out the uh, other one I'm reading is uh, The Elusive Samurai. That's another really good one. Oh, I've heard about that Ooh. one. I started reading that one right around the same time I started reading uh, Candy Flurry. Sounds good to me. And then for myself, I also thought this was a flop. I think I would have said this was not a flop if it kept the quality from like the midpoint forward, but that first part just really dragged it. Yeah. As I alluded to, the series I would recommend is watch or read that time I got reincarnated as a slime. That is actually an isekai, but it's all about literally building a country and helping like mm. the impoverished people and making, you know, developing territory, making political alliances, dealing with war and the military and other stuff. So it's really, really what the series could have done in a much more competent and more interesting way. And then how about you, Jordan? Yeah, this was a flop. I appreciated what they were trying to do, uh, but it was not pulled off well. My recommendation, I'm actually going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to give you something 10 times more depressing, but better. <laughs> uh, Mouse by Art Spiegelman, which is because Ooh. this series is trying to talk about... Um, is is weirdly trying to talk about the Holocaust, like, kind of implicitly. And that series is just a really good and intense comic about the col- about the Holocaust. I was actually going to message Luke after this for our next comic book book club if Mouse would be an interesting pick, but I don't know if that's That'd too-, be too much. I, I, <laughs> All right, never mind then. But yeah, that sounds good. And then, Jordan, is this the worst series we have ever read? Absolutely not. You're right. It's definitely not as bad as I Tell C. So let's go to shoutouts. Oh, fuck! Uh, asshole. <laughs> I love you too. Props to Jordan for making the opening and ending theme and being a great co-host. Props to Shannon. <laughs> Props to Shannon for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Illuminati and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thanks to Tucker for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. Thanks to Nicole and Audie for helping with social media. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join the Shonen Flop Discord. Come hang out with us and talk about anime, games, or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a book club, as I mentioned, that's hosted by the ever terrific luke and we are doing regular movie nights uh and you can find a link to it in the show notes uh we also have merch you can get an official shonen flop t-shirt with the awesome logo jordan design and you can also find a link to that in our show notes and just as a final reminder if you have been enjoying the show please like rate review and share it it really helps us a ton and you can find it on facebook and twitter at shonen flop cast and our website shonenflop.com we're also on spotify itunes or wherever else you get your podcast I also want to sincerely thank you, Mitch, for taking the time to join us today. Where can they find you? My podcast is uh, Talking Anime Network on uh, the socials. You guys can get up to date on when Isekai drops, uh, whenever Talking Anime has a new episode. You can find us on uh, my co-host uh, Gachi's re- uh, Gachi Reviews. You can find us every other Friday or Saturday. We live stream there for Isekai. Uh, you guys can come on and get the unedited raw, and we try not to be um, uh, ban-worthy and get canceled, so uh, come and <laughs> listen to uh, our mayhem on those well, channels. Well, it's great that we spent this episode talking about Israel, then. 
completely yeah. non-controversial topic that <laughs> won't piss anybody off. <laughs> and also, you can check out my uh, main show, uh, Talking Anime, uh, every Thursday, where you can he- listen to us talk somewhat about anime. Like the last episode, possibly watch another man uh, do stuff to himself that is not ethical in some areas. Uh, that, that's a little... So Jordan, though, I hear you have another, <laughs> I hear you have a, a, a show that you're going to be coming on soon. I'm going to be on a podcast called the Five Dumb Weebs Podcast. Guess what I'm going to go on there to talk about, David? What do you think I'm going to go on to the Five Dumb Weebs Podcast to fucking talk about? Israel's connection with anime? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Nazi allegory anime. Full Metal Alchemist. And by that, I, of course, mean Chainsaw Man. Of course, the one true oh, right. manga. <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist is another series that does this exact thing. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, I just remembered. Oh, shit, it oh is. my lord. <laughs> the leader's name is Fuhrer. Yeah, King. he's the Fuhrer. He's like, he, he, he straight up looks like Hitler. Oh my god, I didn't connect that. Oh, jeez. Anyway, Jordan, please do continue. But yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Be uh, the dumb weebs pod. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I know you're going to be there, but who are the other four dumb weebs? I know that Meowth, who is a great friend in our Discord, is going to be there. I don't really know. And member, and, what? and member of the book club. True, yes. Meowth is also a member of the book club, and we're grateful to have her. I'm not really familiar with the other people. I haven't really met them yet. But moving on from that, I just want to say thank you so much to David for doing the editing. You know, you do do a great job. Thank you. And I appreciate you doing all the editing on the Chibi episodes. Thank you. I work hard. Uh, sure. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Where's that Chibi episode, buddy? Oh, I'm still working on it. Leave me alone. Yeah, it's okay. You'll get it to me when you can. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough week for all of us. I know. I was just in Florida, man, so you can't. Yeah, I'm sorry you're in Florida. I know, it's terrible. Anyway, <laughs> to get into the regular shout-outs, first of all, Nitwit from our Discord. Hi, Victor. Wants to remind everyone to wash their hands. Thank you, Victor. And then in terms of shout-outs, the first podcast I want to talk about is a Trash Pandas podcast. Three guys in their 30s making each other laugh and honestly really having no structure in their podcast, let alone their lives. <laughs> Second one is Tales from Our Youth. If you want to hear an Aussie comedy pod about films you've forgotten all about, check out our Tales from Our Youth. The next one is the Oh Shoot podcast, a film and TV podcast where they talk about all things film from character arcs to the music and all things in between. And then they're also going to be going through all the Marvel films at the moment, including everything that's been released this year. And uh, finally, I want to talk about the Simping for Senpai podcast. Well, I just completely forgot to say where people can find these shows. That's all right. They'll all be in the show notes. Um, so, fi- so the second, the next one I want to talk about, sorry, the you final can, one I want to talk about. You can if you have to, but. I do this for free. It's fine. Nice. Uh, the next one is the Simping for Senpai. Check out, they, they also gave me their Spotify link. So it's like, what do I do with <laughs> Wait, that? Uh, here's like HTTPS <laughs> colon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's literally like, they're like Spotify.com slash show slash one AJ. I'm like, okay. So you know what? That's their own fucking fault that they gave me those links. Oh, yeah. You're right. We use podcasts at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, but though for the Oshoot, you can also find them at Instagram.com slash Oshoot podcast, all one word. And finally, I want to give a shout out to the Simping for Senpai podcast. Jordan and I were guests on that show. So hosted by two really rad dudes. Yeah. And you should go check out the Simping for Senpai podcast for your casual anime talk and discussion needs. You can find it on Spotify, Google, or Anchor FM. And their website is anchor.fm slash X Senpai. Yeah, check them out. They're fun. And we'll, of course, have links to all of these in our show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Mitch. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers.